0: Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. people need to take my name out their mouth (laughs) good morning it's sports animals time on espn honolulu top three things you need to know well first of all you heard about this already uh gosh i hate this you know this first russ francis now bob wagner passed away at the age of 76
1: I was, I mean, I didn't expect this, obviously you almost never do, and the fact that Russ Francis on Monday, we hear the news late Sunday, early Monday, and Bob Wagner yesterday apparently in ill health for a little bit of time, and uh, yeah, just really really sad news, and it was just a little over a month ago, we had him on the station as our warrior to remember on Countdown, the kickoff of UH football, and Mm -hmm. I had texted him, and it took him a day to get back to me, and he apologized over and over for not getting back to me, and I felt bad then, Uh, and he was really gracious with his time late August to come on with us. But over the years, great, great uh, time talking with him. And again, his career at the University of Hawaii, beating BYU, every single thing said about him then and since then has been what an outstanding person this is, as well as a great coach and mentor.
0: Stephen Sai wrote such a great uh, tribute to Bob Wagner in today's Honolulu Star Advertiser. I did see some of the reaction um, to... um, from former players, John Veneri will be on with Kanoa Leahy today on Let's Talk Sports in the noon hour. I uh, texted uh, uh, Kelly McGill, my old pal, McDirty. Uh He says, yeah, it uh, used a bad word, sucks, when talking about it. I, I think it's okay. It's a personal message, but I'm sure he doesn't mind. He says, "He says I'm in the Philippines now. John Veneri sent me the press release. Um, love that dude. Uh, talking about uh, Bob Wagner um, he says the good news is I had two great long talks with him a couple of months back but I had no idea he was that sick he says uh, how you doing Gary but uh, yeah that was a word from uh, I, I think that's okay to read don't you that's yeah. something from Kelly uh, from uh, Kelly McDurdy, uh great offensive lineman uh, I was going to reach out to Derek Branch maybe we will later on this morning I don't know where Derek is if he's uh, here or in china again or or where he is because he's a he does business in china but uh yeah it's it's i didn't realize that i didn't know this that uh and i found out by reading steven's article is that uh, bob wagner was uh he was hired by larry price as an assistant right. coach i didn't know that he was on the washington staff but hey anyway, we can get more into that as we continue with our things you need to know. It's game day for Rainbow Wahine soccer today. They're on the mainland taking on Cal State, Bakersfield looking to stay in first place.
1: Yeah, tough loss to last year's champion UC Irvine on Sunday one nothing. This team has played really good defense. The goalkeeping's been really good and at times they have had out- offensive outbursts as we have seen. Hopefully they can get another one. It'd be good to at least split on the road if not getting a sweep. It starts tonight so hopefully they'll get that win over Bakersfield.
0: Alright, keep listening. We do have Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. Game day for them tomorrow so today we're giving away uh one last pair to cal state fullerton and then we'll move on to saturday's game uh tomorrow but if you want to win uh, free tickets to volleyball Keep listening to the animals here on ESPN Honolulu.
1: Yeah, important matches for them. I mean, I know they're still one of the best teams in the Big West, but remember Santa Barbara is now the first place team, and they are unbeaten. You can't afford a slip-up. They did have a little bit of a slip-up, as Kate Lang told us yesterday against Long Beach State last week. They need to win every match now. and They'll have Santa Barbara twice. Uh, one of them, I think, coming up next week on the road, but they need to take care of business starting to-
0: uh, tomorrow night at home. Okay. All right. Uh... You know, I was uh, looking at this, I was listening to Bobby Curran talk about the offensive line for the University of Hawaii uh, just before we came on the air. And, you know, it's, when you watch Hawaii, you say, okay, we shouldn't give up that many sacks. I heard Rich Miano, I didn't know that Rich Miano has a, uh, speaking of Rich Miano, he played for Bob Wagner, right? Sure. Uh, But I don't, um, I didn't know Rich Miano has a, podcast is it with channel two guys something sports final hawaii sports
1: final i believe they have yes oh, I,
0: i've never heard that before but they were, they had it on I'm, I'm gonna tune in and watch but they uh i guess took an excerpt from uh that a few days ago i was watching my favorite news program on khon2 <laughs> and um rich was saying that and he said this you know really quickly i actually everything rich says he says very quickly but he said it um he was he was saying that if I'm coach or something like that, but he says, I'm having a horn go off in practice every two and a half seconds, meaning when Braden Shager goes back to pass or anybody, when they go back to pass in practice, I'm timing it. Two and a half seconds later, bump. Steven Sy, who writes all the articles <laughs> for the Star <laughs> yeah, Advertisers. like his sports section. Is sometimes Dave will write a thing or two. Actually, Dave had a column yesterday, didn't he? Oh, Billy Hull is uh, writing about volleyball today. Hi, hi, Billy. Uh, but anyway, so Stevens um, says that you, the, the headline reads, UH quarterback Shager is uh, working on a quick release to avoid sacks. So here it is again that um, you you might see that it's not all on the offensive line. Now that's been actually some people have said that before, right, when they call into the fans' voice. Or they text in and they say, oh, Shaker's holding on the ball too long. Shaker's holding on the ball too long. Well, what they're working on, and I'm reading this, and if you've read it, forgive me. I'm not going to spend all the time on what Stephen wrote. But if you if you read what he's writing, so what the thing they're working on is he's working on, un, I'm reading, unleashing check down throws rather than waiting too long for deep passes to open. Right? So you're looking, and, and that's what they're saying. He's not throwing people open, right? Right. He's waiting till they're open mm-hmm. and throwing. So that's why he's holding on to the ball too long. So now they're saying, you know what? You know what? It's not open. Hit a shorter route. I say take it a step further, and we did this especially in the second half against New Mexico State. Nothing open. Take off and run. Get four yards. I mean, you get four yards of pop, you're, you're 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 matriculating the ball down the field, boys. If that's a can... first down. That's yeah. a first down every three plays if he can get those four yards every run
1: and sometimes he can he has shown the ability yes but there are also times when the offensive line can't hold the blocks on long enough and he's not getting positive yards. sometimes Yeah. And that'll happen. To I love those slants across the middle where it seems like in the New Mexico State game, that seemed to be working a lot. And I've seen it at other points this season. And maybe that's the way to go. They, I mean, at times, like UNLV second half last Saturday, the passes to McBride and Alex Perry, they were there. Partly because of the speed of McBride and the, and the vertical of him to get up there in air and get down some of these passes. But if you can't do that, those, those uh, passes across the middle
0: seem to have worked more often than almost anything else. Right, but you're talking about the what is the key? What is the key to success for the run and shoot?
1: Re, uh, giving Reading what the defense is showing. No, and,
0: no, let me no, no. Look, <laughs> I'm all fired up. The key. What is the key? The key is rhythm. And that's what you saw against New Mexico State. That's a And that's why you – what did you say? That's a key. Oh, okay. Anyway, okay. But really, right? Yeah. That's why you see when, when 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 Colt and Timmy and Moniz and, you know, when they're firing all cylinders, you're in this rhythm. And Hawaii's ne- hard to get into a rhythm when you're sacked every, what is it, 10.8 pass plays, right? But against New Mexico, they started getting it, and that's when those slants start to happen things just start to open up. To follow up, I agree with you. Rhythm is a big key.
1: Okay, but part of that, I think, is getting into a rhythm is have maybe getting some chemistry, timing, getting in sync, which shows that maybe you get a guy like McBride uh, and uh, Profeli P- Aslock, P- where those guys have been the guys that show that they are the main receivers. You're not really targeting or playing as many of those guys that you have in the depth chart. You know those are the guys. Now you see Kuali Nishigaya and what he did against New Mexico State. Grayson Morgan is basically basically out at the tight end and off the team by his own doing. But I think you got to go with the top three or four guys instead of having so many guys like the first three games to prove who, who's deserving of getting the most targets and the eh. most reps. And now we're seeing the separation, I think, in the receiver room.
0: I don't know. I think that, you know, that's, that might be one philosophy. Uh, one You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Some places would say, hey, here's our key running back. We don't do that at Hawaii. You know, Hawaii plays even under under Coach Rolo. They played a number. Uh, there'd be three running backs uh, getting action. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as you get um, as long as you get um, success out of the unit. But you're talking about a rhythm
1: um, to get into a rhythm. I think you need to have the guys get more than a you know a quarter of playing time. Or you know, there's too many guys that are good. That if you're rotating in and out to keep guys fresh, it doesn't develop the rhythm like it might otherwise.
0: I, I disagree with that. I think that when you keep rotating guys in and out, more people's heads are in the game and more people are involved. Um, you know, again, more than one way to skin a cat. But we, we do know the offensive line isn't 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 without fault, of course. Otherwise, we'd be able to run the ball. Right. But at the same time... <laughs> it's obviously a big Excuse part me. of it. Excuse me. I was coughing, gosh. Um, but it, it's... It, it's not just on the offensive line, but I think we have to um, kind of look at Shager as well. And I, I know that's an obvious statement from two weeks ago, but at the same time, I like the fact that these, they're actually that we're getting to find out, okay, this is what they're working on. We're working on, okay, you know what? Cause someone was saying, throw the ball away. No, don't throw the ball away. Look for Look, check down, check down, check down, check down, no check down, Run. Well, I
1: say yes and no to that. Yeah, if you have open space. But I think throwing the ball away is way better than a sack, obviously. No, 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 no. Again,
0: I, like I said, no. What I'm saying is, you're, is check down, and if there's nobody there, run. Okay, Because you only have a few seconds before that defense is on you. Remember, this is not Chevin Cordero running the ball. Uh, Brayden uh I mean, he's not exactly a guy that rumbles and bumbles and stumbles. He's an at- He's athletic enough. He can take off and run, but if you wait too long to run, that's the pro- that's what we're going to be in the, uh, That's what the problem is going to be.
1: I, I like the fact that they're working on something. And one of the things I noticed in the last week or two, especially last week, is that fans are saying it's the coach's fault, it's the coach's fault, which I don't agree with. Like, they're not teaching them proper technique, but both defensive and offensive line. And I don't agree with that. Of course they know what they're doing, and this is an example as far as Braden Shager working on the quicker release as something they are working on. I think it's a collective deal. When people blame Braden Shager on one side or the offensive line on the other, it's, it's both of them together. It's I don't know if it's more one than the other. It's really hard unless you watch film and know what you're watching. But I think it's not just on one unit or one person. It's collective. Right.
0: Well, yeah. And you know what? To get to Division I college football and for someone to say they're not teaching them how to tackle, I would have to think, and some of these guys are three-star athletes, that they, they know how to tackle. They're just not doing it. Right. They're going for the Hollywood, let's just, you know, blow them up with one big hit at the knees and watch them fly into the air. Whoops, I missed. There goes a touchdown. I like the old fashioned way of just wrapping somebody up. And that's something you learn with your you know, your head up, bent at the knees, not at the back. Your head is up, your face mask is into his stomach and you're wrapping between, behind his knees. That's that's your that's how to tackle somebody and tackle football. Not okay, I'm running it I'm diving at someone's knees to try and blow him out. Because if you miss, he's gone. And we've seen that too many times this season.
1: Again, yes. I'm still a believer that this team, I'm not going to say maybe turn it around, but I think they oh, could. See, but th- this isn't a time for that conversation. Well, sure it is. It's always that time to me. But I think, no, again, I think there's I think more talent is, on this team than good. the record we shows. We need to
0: win. Yeah, we need to win I'm not this whole to go to today. a bowl game. It's boring. It's <laughs> I you. Mean, just no, just, you know what, Th- this is what we're talking about. I don't think that every, con, and, and it's okay, I know you're trying to be nice, but every conversation doesn't have to end with, I think this team has a lot of talent. doesn't matter. You have to play good. You have to play well in order to win. I think it does matter because yeah, there have been so teams lot of that
1: teams don't that, have talent. Them- and struggle. I think it does matter because I think there are some teams that struggle and don't have a lot of talent. I'm not saying this team has a lot, but I think they have more talent than their win-loss record has shown well back it up with I, well part of it is the teams they played in the se- they played this season and for whatever reason or reason both sides have had falls. part of it is consistency part of it's slow start there's a whole bunch of reasons why uh Braden Shager may maybe holding on to the ball maybe the offensive line not giving him enough time the offensive line is a concern at least so that's maybe the nicest way I can say it. They haven't fulfilled their obligations, maybe. Part of it is on Cheger, as I said. But I think with the talented receivers, talented running backs, talented linebackers and secondary, this team is better than what their record showed. There's more talent there. I don't know if it would result in maybe one more win, but I, I, I'm not giving up on this team at the season. I think, again, not really okay. turning it around, but they can
0: still get right. a lot more W's this year. But you just mentioned all of the talent throughout the defense. Really talented. No, I defense. didn't. I didn't
1: mention all what, the. I didn't mention the
0: defensive line.
1: Okay, I think that is so, a concern.
0: So what you're saying is the defensive line is the reason we're giving up 34 points a game.
1: I didn't say they're the reason. I said they're they're a concern. They're a little bit of the weakness. I think the other two units are stronger, even though the
0: secondary has struggled of late. Yeah, a little bit. You just said yeah. a little. There's no pressure from the University of Hawaii defensive line. Not ever. enough. No. What kind of pass rush do they have? That's what I'm saying. So it's not, oh, a little off. No, it's a lot off, and that's a major concern. Now, I don't know how, you know, I don't pay attention to, and I should, how many they're rushing. I mean, are we rushing three? Are we rushing four? Are we blitzing? Who has the most sacks? I'll definitely tell you it's not a defensive lineman. Yeah, I
1: don't think it would be either. I'm pretty sure about that as well. Yeah.
0: All right, 18 minutes after the hour. If you want to win our grand prize of $1,000 cash, Play Pigskin Picks. Our weekly uh, prize this week is a $100 gift certificate to DB Grill in Kapolei. So go to ESPNHonolulu.com, register, and uh, you can win. Thank you to our sponsors, M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. We'll be right back.
2: The Ivan Woman prepares for a man tonight. She bades in fools mountainside and lingers at
0: the last life. We're still mourning the death of uh Coach Wags. Bob Wagner passed away on Tuesday. And um we Jerry had a conversation uh for the uh football pregame show uh, late august and i'll tell you what we'll kind of uh we'll replay that for you so you can hear kind of bob's thoughts on his career uh about 20 minutes here on espn honolulu larry beal joins us in 10 minutes and you can text in uh in the meantime on the zephyr insurance text line at 808-296-1420 <laughs> this texter says uh, we were talking about wrapping up and tackling for UH football. It says, Chris, I beg to differ. Plenty of these guys do not know how to tackle. This is nothing new coming out of high school. Jerry Glanville had the big tackle bag to work on tackle fundamentals every day. You know what? They're, I believe they all know how to tackle. It's some of them aren't using the tackling fundamentals that they learned in 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th grade. That's obvious. You don't get to be a Division One football player uh, and not know how to tackle. So uh, I'll have to, you know, respectably beg to differ on that one, but thank you for listening. Uh, this one says, the next text says, You have to have a strong defensive and offensive line. Everything else flows from there. It certainly does. Amen and amen. Yeah,
1: it starts with that again. That's what I was mentioning earlier. I think those are the two unfortunate weak spots right now for Hawaii on both sides. More so on the offense, but.
0: uh texture from the 375. I hope I'm wrong here, but I have a feeling players like Ashlock and Hines will be looking to transfer next season. What are your thoughts before you get there? says, also, Bob Wagner was the coach for UH when I moved to Hawaii as an eighth grader. He was the reason why I became such a big fan of UH football. May he rest in peace and make the ball bounce our way from time to time this season. We need it. It's almost like, I feel like uh, Casey Kasem. Bob Wagner was the coach for UH when I moved here in Hawaii as an eighth grader. Casey, send a song out to you. Anyway, uh, that's... Um, I would love to have some uh, folks text in kind of their thoughts and memories on Bob Wagner. We're hearing from a lot of former players, but what fans uh, have to say about Bob Wagner. So, Gary, back to the uh, thought of Ashlock and Hines or anybody looking to transfer next season. I think that's in my first thought. Sorry, I asked you real quick, but I think you'll agree that isn't that kind of today's College football and basketball culture, you're not being you're not as successful running the ball. So you know what, I'm out. But then again, who's going to take you if you're averaging 1.8 yards a carry?
1: 100 percent agree, and I think the not only for. Hines and Ashlock, but you said in others, anybody could transfer. And we've seen yeah. it in such high numbers, whether you're a starter, as we've seen in certain sports, certain teams, or bench players. Now, if getting a guy like Chucky Hines, we don't know anything personally. He's not playing a lot. He played maybe more last year, so if it happens, I can understand it. I hope he can stay. I hope he can p- produce for our team. And he was a good player last year. And for Ashlock, well, he's kind of one of the man this year. He's had some really good games, especially early on. Back-to-back Big West uh, Mountain West Freshman of the Week Player Award. Uh, but who knows if maybe an NIL comes along his way? But that could be the case for anybody. Right. For anybody. So it's hard right. to just specify those two guys. It is college sports today, and if the, if anybody leaves, there might be other. Guys guy maybe wanting to come home like a Mechie pay or some of the other guys that have come back and maybe we can get some players as well it's just how I college sports are we can't be upset if somebody wants to leave for whatever the reasons are
0: right I mean if you're Alex Perry you're 6'5 and you got speed or you're Pofeli Ashlock in a solid 6'3 with speed and great hands and great athleticism well somebody like Ohio State or Michigan might go hey we missed on a guy give him a million have him come over here Right? Yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy. i give that uh, – he'll come for 500000 Okay. Did you, did you see what Utah Crazy. got for their players yesterday? Every no. single player
1: on their team got a new truck. Every scholarship what? player got a new truck. It's an NIL deal. Now it's a wow. six-month lease. And oh. if you transfer – So you didn't get it.
0: You get to borrow a truck. Well, But
1: you months. get it for the football season. Still, I mean, if yeah. you're the third-string right guard – I'm pretty – they showed some of the players running out. I think it was on the field yesterday, that video seeing those trucks out there. And I forget what type of truck, but they look pretty impressive, pretty big, pretty new. And that is something I've never heard
0: of. You know why they did that? Keep their players there. and happy. Keep them happy. No. Recruiting. Well, that's the same thing. All of a sudden – no. All of a sudden, what? Uh, I hear at Utah they give away cars. Uh, I'll consider them. Yeah, but to see what's bad is, hey, I love this truck. Look, it's got the brand new car smell and everything. And while it still has the brand new car smell, you're like, I have to give it back. Well, I I have to ride the moped again. That's what that's what that's you, what kind
1: of sucks. Maybe you get it back to next year. i not. I didn't. You know, I didn't say anything <laughs> about next year. Maybe just during the season. Still, that is pretty unique, pretty special, and like
0: you said, pretty enticing for recruits as well. Yeah. If they offered me that, I'd say, you know what? I don't want it during the season. I want it in the off-season. During the season, I'm at school, or practice, or playing. When am I going to enjoy my truck? Well, you'd probably be in school and
1: practicing in March, too.
0: You don't get what I'm saying. During I do. During the season. Well, then the season isn't six months long, either, so that's good. Anyway. It's still a pretty uh, amazing deal, though, that they are doing. All right. So... Anyway, back to the uh, back to the uh, text. But thank you guys uh, for the Zephyr Insurance text line for texting in. And, uh, oh, is that what you, why you saw this? Somebody just texted in Utah gifted no, the
1: scholarship players. I, I saw it on Twitter last night. Somebody had put that
0: out there. I didn't see the text. It's a brand-new Dodge truck. Anyway, he wanted to know our thoughts on that, and you just got it. Yeah. So it's 731. Larry Beal set to join us coming up next. Check out the uh, podcast. It's a... Uh, Uh, with Cole Malsoff, ESPN, Honolulu.com, called Athletes. Uh, You can get in some in-depth conversation with athletes over some great eats, and it's sponsored by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, <laughs> the mics are hot. Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> I will go hey. ahead. Hey, behind the scenes. <laughs> it has
1: been way too long since we've had our first guest on our show, but better never. I just than the-
0: saw him in Las Vegas.
1: I missed him. He must have uh, avoided me there, but I did hear rumors that he was in town, and he uh, will be in town here coming up soon. We'll get into that coming up in just a second. He we is- gave
0: like a man hug in the uh, parking lot. That's, I think
1: that's a TMI. Uh, he's the sports and news anchor at KGO-TV in San Francisco. Joining us now, our good friend, Larry Beal. Larry, great to have you on. I know we want to talk about maybe Vegas and what's coming up next week, but <laughs> your thoughts on the passing of Coach Bob Wagner.
3: Oh, I was really sad uh, when I, I saw the news posted. You know, uh, when I was doing football on the radio uh, many years ago, Uh, Coach Wagner was the head coach at the time. So, uh, you know, I I just had all these flashbacks of going down and interviewing him before each and every game for his coach's show. And, you know, I think when we talk about some of the the great coaches in Hawaii football history in terms of UH, obviously, you know, June Jones comes to mind. Dick Tomey was the man who put the program on the map. But people may not remember Bob Wagner at a time when the – the Hawaii-BYU rivalry was at its peak and most fervent. Wags was the guy that ended the long losing streak and kind of uh, put the BYU hex aside. And uh, I remember that game because it was the last game that I called and was also uh, before moving to the mainland, and it was also the last game that's now Mayor then- um, color analyst on TV, Rick Blangiardi, did because he was leaving for a, a new job himself in Seattle. So between the two of us uh, in both booths, uh, we came together and we drank champagne to celebrate uh, both the victory and, you know, our new endeavors. But um, I, I don't think Coach Wags gets the, the recognition or the credit that he deserved for what he did uh, for the program at the time. And the other thing that he did being, you know, a defensive-oriented coach, he had the courage to install what a lot of people perceived as this wacky offense that combined <laughs> the run and shoot uh, with a triple option attack. And in any particular game, uh, we could run for 300 yards or pass for 300 yards. And frankly, I don't understand why that so many more schools did not adopt it, but Paul Johnson took it, ended up going to, to Navy as a head coach there, uh, there Stuck more to the option philosophies, and even when he went to Georgia Tech, but it was so dynamic and so exciting, and and Coach Wagner was the man responsible.
1: It seems like, again, with any former coach, mostly positive things said about him, but from when Bob Wagner did coach until now, and we're hearing more tributes, of course, in the last 24 hours, everybody had only nice things to say about him as a coach and the person and everything about his life and legacy.
3: Well, that's who he was. That's who he was. Mm -hmm. Look, he could be he could be a disciplinarian when needed. And, you know, if you saw him uh, on the sidelines at times, he would get very intense. But just, uh, you know, a fantastic man. And I think it speaks to his love for the state of Hawaii that he stayed. Uh, And obviously he was a Kamehameha for many, many years and and I believe was living on the Big Island most recently. But, But the fact, you know, most coaches are coaching lifers. And if the job doesn't work out here, then they go there or then they go there or there or move around. Location really doesn't matter to a lot of these guys. It's really just about an opportunity to win. But I think the, the life choices that coach Wagner made speaks to what was most important to him. And, he loved the state and loved the people of Hawaii.
1: Larry Beal, sports anchor and news anchor at KGO-TV in San Francisco with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Chris Hart and myself were asked to uh, MC and host the basketball fundraiser two weeks from tonight. We are busy, so now we understand it's the That's Neil so and Beal show. Uh, so you guys dumb. were asked to fill in. Thank you for that, first of all. But tell us what to expect, and is it Neal and Beal or Beal and Neal? Uh, that's pretty
3: funny. Uh, we've actually gone around on this a few times. Um, we 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 never even thought of la, of of mixing first and last names. Um, we we actually are going Larry Neil Neil Larry, and I I've said uh, in all of our meetings that we've had. Just Neil and I. I guess well, I don't know if I'm talking out of school here. Uh, sure. We're going to be doing more things back home together. Uh, so this is kind of the first event of. of what we hope will be many, but uh, yeah, we're teaming up as partners to do a variety of different things. So if you see us popping up on television and, you know, uh, younger viewers will go, who are these two ancient people on my TV? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the the UH basketball tip-off event, they were kind enough to uh, invite us. And to me, beyond the excitement of just, you know, a lot of schools do a March Madness type thing. And when you're first, you know, able to, uh, to have your first practice or you know, do the introductions. But um, we are going to be making and announcing a, a fairly significant donation to Maui uh, coming out of this event. And so to me, that uh, is the most important thing, in addition, obviously, to supporting UH sports. And uh, then the following night, St. Mary's is coming into town to play UH in an exhibition basketball game and all the proceeds from that Will be going to uh, you know help uh, the folks on Maui who desperately need it right now. Right on, so that right is a great on. deal, great gesture.
1: Oh, we'll that's look good.
0: Maybe like a podcast? You guys thinking about a podcast too, maybe or something like that?
3: Uh, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. But uh, cool. well, you know, we're open. We're, you know, um, open to all suggestions. By the way, you know, Chris mentioning uh, the the hug in the parking lot. I felt. It was uncomfortably long. I That's Chris I guess, for you. I, the, the fact that you wouldn't let go, and I, I kept, <laughs> kept trying to shake hands with with Matt Apana, and I was like, you had like a vice grip on me, and
1: I, was, like, well, I guess, he felt
0: I that guess. comfortable. He was pressing, yeah. I was pressing my man boobs up against him. Nobody ever hugs face.
1: him back. That's the problem. He wasn't used to that.
3: Yeah, it was awkward. It was definitely awkward there in the parking lot. Uh, several witnesses. Some were some were concerned. But you could see see the look on their faces. They were like, "Ooh, ooh." <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
2: do, do, do we need awkward? Fortunately,
3: there, yeah. Fortunately, there was uh, there was a, a Vegas PD guy uh, by and so I felt a little safer after that. But
1: yeah. like, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, something you'll never forget, I'm sure. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers. So far, so good. Brock Purdy taking, uh, starting off this year with what he did last year and now healthy. I don't believe he's lost a game as a starting quarterback yet for San Fran in the regular season.
3: He has not. He has not. And do you remember some of the conversations we had in the offseason? Yes. Where, Is he going to be the guy? Was it all just luck or smoke and mirrors or system quarterback and all this? And you're seeing how he operates now. Uh, you know, we do a, a bunch of, of breakdowns on uh, our, our uh, post game shows that we have up here on ABC7. And so many of the breakdowns involve his quick processing of what he sees with the defense, reading what's about to happen so rapidly. And he gets the ball out so fast. The, the recognition is so key. Also, ball placement. He, uh, you know, I, I really. Like Jimmy Garoppolo when he was here, but a lot of times, you know, his lack of mobility after he blew out his knee was really a problem. And he would throw up, you know, a a couple of medicine balls a game. And and by that I mean, uh, when the wide receivers go up for it, uh, after they come down, they need medicine. Um, (laughs) um, You know, you don't see that with Brock Purdy. He does not throw guys into danger, he throws them open. Mm -hmm. So uh, if anybody is still surprised, I don't know what else he has to do short of winning the Super Bowl. The one game that he did lose was because he got hurt early in the first quarter of the game. And it it shows just how important he was. Now, Sam Darnold is the backup, so they do have a little bit of insurance here. But I don't don't know that anybody is – I'll just say they're a lot more excited about uh, Brock staying healthy than anything else.
1: Yeah, so far, so good for them. And you mentioned you you and Neil are going to have a big announcement. I don't think it's going to be that either one of you are going to be managing the San Francisco Giants. Uh, That is bigger than a podcast, but they need a new manager, don't they?
0: Yeah, they got a local boy there now. Maybe he'll get the job.
1: Yeah, I I mean, Kai Correa has done a terrific job. I don't know what
3: direction that they really want to go in with the franchise. I think uh, they rolled the dice on Gabe Kapler and – Unfortunately, you know, in 2021, they won 107 games, and it turned out to be more fool's gold than anything else because mm. almost everybody on the roster had a career year. And then when, when pretty much everybody regressed to the mean, uh, then you have a mediocre ball club, and that's what they've had the past couple of years. Gabe was basically the scapegoat. Farhan Zaidi is the man pulling the strings. He's the president of baseball operations. I mean, I could see them... Going with a, a longtime uh, coach like Ron Wotus, who was there during the Bruce Bochy era, and they won three championships, or somebody uh, you know a little bit out of the box um, uh, like Stephen Vote, a catcher who's incredibly hilarious if you ever watch him on uh, MLB TV, or yeah, he's he's got respect in every clubhouse that he walks into. Doesn't have managerial experience necessarily but I think he would be a guy that would be embraced. Beyond that, I'm, you know, I'm not sure whether they want to stay within the organization or go outside. Uh, you know, the last experiment going outside really didn't work very well.
1: So that plays out. We can't wait to see you and Neil Everett can't in wait. town a couple of weeks from uh, today and look forward to that and, of course, the basketball fundraiser against St. Mary's on Friday the 20th. Larry, always great to talk to you again. We'll see you soon.
0: Thanks, Larry. We we'll talk- have to hug soon.
3: Oh, well i may not fly in are we not talking about hawaii football oh come
0: on oh oh we have uh, been well, what what are oh, your thoughts okay. we, we have we have a second here what what are your overall thoughts at this point in the season earlier we were talking about uh the offensive and defensive lines uh and then you know we see that shager is working on getting rid of the ball quicker right now in practice what are your thoughts
3: my thoughts are, during the game, I was up in the TV booth with uh, Kanoa and Rich Miano, and I was begging Rich to just go on camera and demonstrate proper tackling form.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: because we might be one of the worst tackling teams in the country at this point. I, I, I don't know. I'm not at practice, so I don't know what's being coached. You know, There's been a movement in recent years by a lot of coaches to restrict the amount of hitting that's being done because you don't want too many guys getting hurt. But basic, fundamental tackling, you know, the arm tackling, the flailing, the running by the, you know, the, the intended target, the, the inability to get your body under control. To uh, There's just so many things that we're seeing game to game, and uh, that has to be cleaned up, whether, you know, however you want to approach it. Uh, if, if you can't allow UNLV to run for over 300 yards. That just can't happen. And so there's – you know, I, I'm a huge Timmy fan. They'll figure it out. But he's going to have to make some hard decisions, I think, on his staff about what they want to do going forward. And, um, you know, they've got to get some fundamentals squared away because
0: if you can't tackle, you can't win. Right. Well, we hear you. And, um, you know, and it, look, the, whole, the coaching staff is relatively new, most of them, and they'll get it. You know, we just got to stand by them. Uh, you know, we can – we can criticize, or we can say point out this is what we think, but at the same time, we are uh, behind Coach Timmy and the Brotherhood one hundred and ten percent.
3: Yeah, I want those guys to succeed. I, I just think they may have to change their tactics a little bit and and keep it up a little bit differently. And so I, I hope it can be used as a you know as a a learning experience and and show guys you know because you have some you have some talented players especially on the defensive side of the ball and and some of the receivers are fantastic so i i think once they they start to get the ball out faster i would love to see offensively us go more up tempo speed the game up a little bit because if you can get the defense confused then you have an advantage and especially with some of our skilled players i I think it can be a distinct advantage but I, I, I have not seen, like, the urgency at the line of scrimmage. And, I you know, sometimes when you have a new system, it takes time for guys to get acclimated. So I'm hoping that we see more up-tempo, and, and I want to see better tackling. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. That, that's fine. Then we're good. Great.
0: Hey, have a and great then, week. Thanks, Larry.
1: So,
0: nope.
3: Gary, hugs. hugs. Give, give hugs to
1: Chris for me, please. Uh, I've been there, done that, never happening again.
0: All right. Ah,
1: all right. <laughs> I'm a hugger. Uh, hey,
0: <laughs> All right. Larry Beal there with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, we've got the Craig Angeles Show coming up with Kanoa Leahy. It's coming up on Tuesday, October 10th at Velocity Honolulu, right there on Kapiolani Boulevard. And it's brought to you by H-Camp and J the JN Group. We'll be right back. Oh, we're running a little late. Gary's like, stay on, Larry Beal, stay on. <laughs> anyway, we, we haven't given away our UH Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. Keep listening. We'll do that coming up in a few minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. I, I saw here in the uh, Star Advertiser that uh, four people uh, had hole-in-ones, and two of them were at Mililani, and one was at the Alawai, and one was at Midpac. But my question is, do they? if golfers out there, They had this thing where when you pay for your tea time at Mililani, I don't know if they still have this, and you give them an extra 5 bucks or something, you're in a drawing. I'm not a drawing. It's like the insurance contest to win, like, $10,000. I wonder if they still do that at Mililani. Fortunately, you don't have to worry about that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, anyway, congratulations to everybody who had a hole in one. All right, uh, top three things you need to know coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. And then since we didn't have time this hour, uh we have our tribute to the late Bob Wagner. All coming up with the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu ninety two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. We're still, we're still sad. It's uh, the pa- passing of Bob Wagner this week at age 76. Gary Dickman talked with Bob uh, a couple of months ago, but we'll replay that for you, kind of going over Bob's career as a coach. You heard Larry Beal a few minutes ago talking about his memories of Bob Wagner, but that's kind of what we're – one of our top things that we're doing today is um, recognizing – what a great man uh, Bob Wagner was. He's one of those guys come from the mainland, but if you met him you know a few years later, you'd think he'd grown up in Hawaii all his life.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a great guy. And you think about the last what, two, two and a half years, we've lost Dick Tomey, Greg McMacken, and Bob Wagner, uh, three great coaches for the University of Hawaii. And with, and with Bob Wagner, just, again, you always hear positive things in these situations, but with Bob Wagner, it seems to go a little bit further with people like Jeff Seidner, I think telling Rob DeMello on the Sports Report last night, k two, how he, the conversations he had with like father and son, and you hear that from a lot of the former players with him. You don't always hear those kind of things, and again, from from my perspective, that's a great person as well as a very good
0: coach and beloved by all. All right. Hey, it's game day for Wahine Soccer. Coach Bud and the gang are on the road. They play Cal State Bakersfield today, and we've got uh, UC Davis coming up uh, on, what is it, Saturday? I, I believe so. i got to double check on that, yeah. but I believe it is. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so game day uh, for the first place, Rainbow Wahine Soccer team. Yes, where you want to be at this
1: point. And, again, I think if you can get a split on the road, that's not too bad. And that would be, you know, at least get some points as far as being on the road this way. And it's Sunday against UC
0: Davis, by the way, on Thank the road. Thank you. I was trying to figure out when October 8th was. All right, go, Coach Bud. Channel your channel your inner Hazy the Wonder Dog. Okay, uh, what else is going on here? Oh, you know what? We've got Rainbow Wahine Volleyball tickets to give away. And we're going to do that um, this hour. Um I hope so. Pretty soon, pretty soon, <laughs> pretty soon. I keep forgetting to do that. Uh, this is for Friday night's uh, game against Cal State Fullerton, uh, Friday night, of course, tomorrow night. Uh, keep listening for that. All right. So you talked with Bob Wagner, as you do, as a warrior to remember on Countdown to Kickoff earlier, uh, well, a couple of months ago. Let's listen back to that and um, um, kind of make our comments afterwards. Go ahead, Tanner our warrior to
1: remember and what better way to start it with one of the greatest coaches in UH football history we're going to go down memory lane right now and talk with former head coach Bob Wagner. Coach thank you so much for joining us and there's so much to go over in your career. Nine years as the head coach for the University of Hawaii and we know about the 30th anniversary last year for the 92 Holiday Bowl win over Illinois I want to get your take on the first bowl game for Hawaii football that you coached. it was the 1989 Aloha Bowl versus Michigan State what was it like qualifying and getting to that first bowl game
4: well it was really uh very exciting and it turned out to get in the Aloha Bowl we had to beat BYU and we you know finally did that uh no it was was really exciting as a matter of fact probably too exciting I think I had a team ramped up too much before the game uh the uh I would uh, do an interview with a Big Ten radio or whatever before practice every day. And, and you know, they, they had such an attitude. And I, I'd go up before practice every day and give a pep talk because I was so pissed off. <laughs> and I think we fumbled two or three times early in the game and we were you know just way, way, way too high. But it was very gratifying after uh, so many years. Coach Tomey had some excellent seasons. You know, we never went to a bowl game. You know, the the Aloha Bowl was, you know, kind of a national bowl game, and they could get people from all over the country. and And, uh, and then, you know, the Hawaii Bowl was a godsend uh, for the University of Hawaii program. We never had that opportunity. You know, Coach Tommy Nor myself had the opportunity that, uh, you know, some teams after us had. Yeah, I remember going to that game,
1: and even though the final result might have been disappointing, it was just great to see Hawaii a part of that. Do you also feel that maybe that kind of turned? Let I me mean, turn the culture around because Dick Tomey did have a lot of success. We know about the defenses and the Noguez brothers, but do you think that maybe kind of showed that Hawaii football was there to stay, and maybe being a force as far as bowl competition, bowl uh, qualifying, and also competing for WAC championships?
4: Well, it, you know, it did give us. Uh... You know, extra credibility. You know, playing you know, so many games late at night. Uh, you know, we didn't get the exposure. I mean, my goodness. You know, you know, you know. What if we had played uh, BYU those two times we uh, you know, blew out BYU and that was a quarterback if that had been nationally televised, which it wasn't. You know, it was it was late at night. Uh, you, even the Iowa game, my second year in the opener. Uh, you know. So it, it, it certainly helped, no question.
1: We are talking with former head coach Bob Wagner as our warrior to remember in the Rainbow Warrior Network here talking about Hawaii football and his career at UH. Okay, so the BYU games, we've talked to different players over the years about what it was like those nights in 88 and 89, those two blowouts. What was it like for you as a head coach? What sense did you have before the game that maybe these upsets, and obviously. Showing how much better you guys were than BYU, dominating both games. What kind of sense did you have before those games?
4: Well, I, I was very confident. I mean, we, uh, you know, we we uh, you know had some special things in. Uh, we were pretty conservative uh, the first two years. I mean, I, I don't know the exact scores, but uh, I think we lost the first two years as I was head coach against BYU, but. By a total of uh, a total of three or four points, but we were we were right there, uh, and we we opened the offense up more. You know, played great defense. Uh, you know, uh, Rich Ellerson was the defensive coordinator, Paul Johnson the offensive coordinator. We, uh, you know, that that's what I love having coach defense and special teams uh, is is my uh, you know specialty for a number of years. You know, I do what. Kind of offense was hard to defend, uh, but then also uh, in those two games, especially that first one, the uh, we had fifty-six to seven after uh, three quarters. We played great all the way around, but not only did we score a lot of points, I think we set a school record for sacks. And as a head coach, you you, you know you really appreciate when you play well, uh, you know, on all sides of the ball. As you talk about the
1: sacks and your defense, I mean, most fans, I think, would realize or remember that you were a defensive assistant for 10 years before taking over as the head coach. And this might be a tough question, Coach, but who would be on your Mount Rushmore of University of Hawaii defensive players that you coached with during your tenure here?
4: Well, that's uh, you're putting me on the spot. I know. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, Al Noga, especially his... uh, your junior year, he he had an incredible year. But, but you know, there's there so so many uh, really good players, and you know, a number of them uh, you know went to the NFL. I mean, I, I, I would say if I checked the record book for sacks, tackles, uh, that 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 sort of thing. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go on the record and. And, and name names and lead guys off. Sure, so many, so many good players, he would do. and they were really enjoyable to coach. Uh, so I was very fortunate. And which leads me to this. We were talking about this the other day
1: that when a lot of the you know the power five schools used to come to Hawaii, some of them for season openers or the season ending game, they would maybe get a victory, but they would go back and be bruised. I mean, they would be beat up. And the sense was that Hawaii's defenses were so talented, so physical those years, that even though some of those top schools, whether it was Notre Dame or Michigan or some of the others would come out with a win, it was not an easy battle. Is that something that was exaggerated that you get that sense from some some of the team leaving Aloha Stadium as well.
4: Well, you know, I, I don't I don't know about that. I mean we we were always physical, uh but uh you know what gave me hope was you know we played Iowa a couple of times at home and uh you know I was you know defensive coordinator for a couple of those games and, and we held them down point wise. Some of that was the fact the offense could could rush the ball control you know, slow the game down, but uh we played good defense. We just couldn't score points. And so, what was really gratifying is, you know, my second year when we beat Iowa in the opener. I mean, I, I knew we, you know, had the ability to do that because you know we we changed offense. We gave ourselves a a chance to score some points. I mean, I mean, my goodness, we lost to BYU like you know, like sixteen to twelve or something, and. 10-3, and, you know, uh, and so uh, I wanted to put a stop to that. And, but, uh, no, we, we've got a local kid. It's a tough kid. We, uh, we always had some physical players. I mean, when you go back to, I think it was 78, and uh, we, uh, like, 73 going to fourth quarter against a USC team that faced first and second in the country, they had trouble running the ball. That that showed you uh, the physicality we had. What other
1: memorable games do you have from the WAC? And we talked about BYU, of course. Those games really stand out. What other victories do you remember from your career at UH as far as conference play?
4: Well, the Fresno game, uh, Dillville was a quarterback. Uh, the running back was uh, an NFL player. They, they had a hell of a team. And that was a shootout. And... Uh, that's one of those games where early in the game, they weren't doing a very good job defending us. We struggled against them. Uh, and it's like, uh, so we just kind of pulled out all our stops. You know, we had, you know, we always try to have things in our bag, uh, you know, special teams in the different areas. Uh, I think we opened, if that's the game I'm thinking about, we opened the second half with a, Reverse off, kick off a kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, we went for two several times. I mean, you know, when, when you just, you know, you, you you realize you don't like it, but it's going to be a shootout, you need to try to score every point uh, you can. That, that's that's certainly one of them. Uh, well, my, my wife's from Northern California. She liked the Berkeley game where we won, uh, you know, at Berkeley, uh, twenty-one to seven, we blocked two punts for touchdowns. I, that's what I loved. Was you know we we uh, we we, you know, we could win in you know, all three phases of the game, and uh, that, that's what we you know our goal was. If you to win two, you know you, you've
1: got a really good chance to win the game. Right, definitely memorable game. Definitely memorable plays from the, your career here at the University of Hawaii. I know we're talking about what you were doing back well, then in that- your memories. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Funny that people aren't aware of, and and I don't think the team because it didn't have a great regular season record has some has some tough losses, but the '94 team beat the Rose Bowl team by 20 points. I, I don't know if anybody ever thinks about that or remembers that. That Oregon team won the Pac-10 outright, played Penn State in the Rose Bowl. We beat them by 20 points, and and I know they have Oregon coming up and. You know, we, we were 3-0 against Oregon, uh, two bowl teams, including uh, a road win at Oregon. So a so lot like to be proud of by the, you know, the uh, guys that played on those teams.
1: You mentioned Oregon. I think this is a pretty impressive number, to say the least. I mean, you were 7-3 and three as a head coach at Hawaii versus the Big Ten and the Pac-10. That that's really stands out. I mean, that's something that's really hard to achieve for what was called a group of five school, I guess. 7-3, uh, and three, though, against those conferences. Pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, I'm very proud of that. You know, I think a lot of it. Certainly, the players, the coaches, but also our philosophy. Uh, that we, uh, you know, continued to play really good defense. Uh, major emphasis on uh, special teams, and uh, and our offense could, uh, you know, we we had balance. I mean, we 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 you know we wanted to make you know you had to defend a run, which is tough versus triple option. But then we had a run and shoot package that we used at times. So, you know, we, we, we gave ourselves the chance. I mean, if, uh, you know, the, the title of the book I did, uh, i asked a couple of times to do a book. The, the, uh, editor came up with the title, Getting an Edge. And, and that was the deal. I think we, we, uh, evolved our offense and defense, uh, under Coach Stomey. Uh, excuse me, our off, op- uh, our defense defense's special teams to be very aggressive. And then uh, I became head coach. We put a very aggressive offense in one that it. it was uh, challenging to people. So many great
1: games, so many great memories, and fond uh, memories of what you did at the University of Hawaii. Coach, thanks for spending a few minutes talking with us for the first game of the season in Week Zero as our warrior to remember.
0: We appreciate you joining us. Yeah,
4: thank you. Go Bows.
0: All right, and he is uh, definitely – a Warrior to Remember. That's a conversation uh, you had with Bob Wagner uh, for the pregame show for football in late August. Five and a half weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago.
1: I was listening to that. I was saddened and also happy to hear him again and hear some of his comments, but also saddened just thinking about that from back then and what we heard yesterday.
0: You know, it's amazing that, um, you know, and Larry Beal mentioned it as well, that, you you know, you heard... Uh, Bob say, you know, we beat, you know, BYU. The games were like 16 to 12, 10 to 3. And then he said, you know what, let's change this offense up. And that's when you went with that partial run and shoot option deal. And uh, they they started putting up lots and lots of points. I want to get to, and we don't have um, a ton of time right now, but really the way that his coaching career at University of Hawaii ended. And it was sad and embarrassing. But coming up next, we have a special guest.
1: Yeah, Ben Kirchival from CBS Sports, going to talk a little college football, the latest from the NCAA about NILs and the transfer portal and all that good stuff.
0: All right, so if you want to win Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets, we promised we're delivering right now. Be call, you got to be fast. Be caller number four at 808-296-1420, and you'll score the tickets from ESPN Honolulu. We'll be back with our winner. And our guest from CBS Sports next. We say congratulations to John out in Hawaii Kai, who's caller number four. Got the Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets for tomorrow night against Fullerton at the Stan Sheriff Center. More for you to win coming up. On Let's Talk Sports. And
1: we're going to talk some college football now. Joining us on ESPN, Honolulu is an editor at CBS Sports covering college basketball, golf, and college football. Joining us again, Ben Kercheval. Ben, great to have you on. And let's talk, first of all, about the NCAA coming out yesterday with some new rule adjustments on NILs and the transfer portal. Your thoughts about what the NCAA had to say.
2: Uh, I I was off all day yesterday. So I, I actually didn't even read it. But I'll tell you this. The, the Right now, what, what happens with, with everything with the transfer portal over the last few years is you went from having basically uh, like a century or the better part of a century where everything was one way, and then it went in a completely different pendulum direction over the last three years. Roster management for coaches right now is basically impossible. Now, no one's shedding a tear for these coaches. They're getting paid a lot of money to manage that type of stuff. But it is an added stress that makes it very difficult on a year-to-year basis to try to get figure out what you have in your team. To tighten up some of these windows, I think, is a natural progression in how college football, and really college athletics as a whole, is sort of going to navigate this new world order with NIL coupled with the transfer portal. Because even though they're very separate things, a lot of times they end up being sort of intertwined with how player movement is happening throughout the landscape. So tightening up these windows, natural progression, probably a good thing for the sport. I mean, even if you believe in player movement, even if you believe in players being able to capitalize off their NIL, I think a lot of people would agree that what's happening right now, the free-for-all, is not good for the sport. So I think pulling in those reins a little bit is just a natural, common-sense progression, which... You don't always get from the NCAA, but it is a good step moving forward.
1: You mentioned how the NIL is kind of tied together with the transfer portal, which, means, which leads me to what I heard about Utah yesterday. We, d- we talked about it earlier on this show. Every scholarship player, all 85 players are getting a brand-new truck for a six-month lease, and I would imagine that would be enticing to future recruits. And that, I mean, I think it's kind of gotten out of whack already, but that even puts it on another level, I think, when you hear that news.
2: What, what kind of trucks are these? Are these just, like, like Ford F-150s, or are these things, like, souped up? No, they're the Ford. They're Ford F-150s. No, it's some
0: kind of Dodge truck. It's some kind of Dodge truck. That's all I saw in the
2: thing. Yeah, it's like a Dodge Ram. As far as, like, NIL incentives go, on a, what, what, like, 10 is, like, uh, the gold Pontiac Trans Am from SMU (laughs) in the 80s. Uh, A Dodge Ram pickup truck is what, like a four or something on like the NIL level, maybe a little bit lower. Uh, You know, you go back to when this whole thing kind of broke open in Miami was like one of those first uh, uh, programs through collectives to just start. Like, I, I don't remember what the number was off the top of my head, but everyone I think got like a set amount of money and now everyone's getting like trucks. It's, Again, as far as, as where NIL and, and all the incentives could go, eh, the trucks are sort of like the least of my worries. Ben Kirchhoff from
1: CBS Sports talking college football with ESPN Honolulu Sports Animals on 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Now that we've got the month of September out of the way, what is the biggest surprise in this early part of the season to you, Ben?
2: Probably how good... I think it's probably how good Texas is. Uh, I'm going to say that they'll probably lose on Saturday to Oklahoma now that I've jinxed them. Uh, <laughs> but we keep talking about like, is Texas back? Or are they not back? I try to refrain from using the B word. But when you look at what they have, and this is an interesting year because I, I would say in any given season, at least in the modern era, people talk about national championship contenders. Like there's a dozen of them. There's usually like three. There's like two and a half to three. This year, I think that number could probably be doubled. I think it's about five or six, which is a great thing for the sport. Texas, I believe, is among them. And when you look back through the last decade plus of what this program's had to go through, so many times when you think they have something going and they just can't get it together, they can't get out of their own way, and you look at what they've done so far, beating Alabama— and then really taking care of some of those early Big 12 games where I think in the past they would have slipped up. They have a great quarterback play, great receiving threats, a better-than-advertised run game, a better-than-advertised defense, especially up front. I think they have all the components that you really need to make an actual national championship run. When you look at the Big 12 top to bottom, it's such a deep conference, but they look like head and shoulders above everyone else. Now they're going to play Oklahoma this weekend. It really is one of those rivalries where I think you can throw out the record books or throw out the stats because crazy things happen in that game all the time. But if they're able to get past Oklahoma, I just don't see another team that when the Longhorns are firing on all cylinders, that can even come close. They're ranked, I think, number three nationally. To me, they're probably one of the two best teams in the country right now.
1: I want to get your thoughts on a couple of quarterbacks that have Hawaii tied. What you talked about, Oklahoma, Texas, Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma, high school player here, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, and Talia Tongovailoa at Maryland. They've got Ohio State, and they have the second-highest scoring offense in the Big Ten right now at 38-plus points a game.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the Terps really have it going. That's going to be an interesting game against Ohio State. Now, this is going to be the best defense Terps have played all year. And with Talia, You know, he got that gunslinger in him, which can be a good thing, but it can also be like, oh, Talia, baby, don't do that. (laughs) That was a bad decision. You know, you get a little bit of that with him. But in terms of the pure excitement, uh, look, Ohio State's defense is is excellent. Uh, They're going to have a really hard time. They're going to need some probably some short fields. Uh, But in terms of a guy who can go out and, and make a play, if that game is tight, I think one of two things is going to happen. Either is going to make a play and it's going to push him over the edge or he's going to throw the pick that you know, kind of ends the game. So definitely an interesting uh, game there. I think as far as Dylan Gabriel, you know, he's, he's been good. Uh, I think this Oklahoma defense is probably ahead of the offense. That's not really something you're used to hearing uh, with the Sooners, at least as of late. But I think that defense is probably for real. I think that offense, when they're forced to travel, uh, they haven't really been as good. I don't know that they have the wide receiver speed that they needed. Uh, ground game is okay. So, you know, Gabriel's been good, but I think in terms of who really leads that team, it's probably the defense. Whereas I think if you look at Maryland, it's Talia and that offense that really drives that, that engine.
1: Should be some great action coming up this weekend and the rest of the season, of course. Ben, always, always fun for us to talk college football with you. We look forward to doing it again in the future.
0: Look forward. All right, guys.
2: Yeah, take
1: care. All right, thank you, Ben. That is Ben Kircherville. He's an editor at CBS Sports covering college football, basketball, and golf as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu. All
0: right, very good. Dylan Gabriel. You know what? But but if, because of, you know, a lot of people always give the credit to the quarterback, that's the big featured game on ABC this week is Oklahoma and Texas. And if Dylan Gabriel, or excuse me, if Oklahoma uh, beats Texas and Dylan has a good game, that's going to elevate his uh, his status, if you will, amongst the college quarterbacks, uh, very very much. Really pulling for uh, Oklahoma, man. That's uh, that's going to be uh, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Red River what Rivalry. A, Red. I was just going to ask you what they call that. Yeah. It's 8:31 with the sports animals, and if you want to catch college football, UH football, the NFL, might we suggest 8:50 um, Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar right there at leeward bowl in the pearl city shopping center sundays now they're open up early at 6 a.m showing all of the nfl games they got a big video wall you're going to absolutely love too and they got some great uh, the food there is really awesome i mean what bowling alley because they have leeward bowl bar and grill across the hallway and you got 850 craft beer and whiskey bar on the other side of the hallway and so i mean what bowling alley doesn't serve awesome food right yes (laughs) so you've got bowling alley food with uh great ice cold drinks and a video wall i can't think of a better place to watch football it's the place for uh college and nfl football 850 craft beer and whiskey bar be right back on espn honolulu Hope you're having a great morning with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu celebrating the start of the NBA preseason. Yawn. <laughs> but that is today if you're a basketball fan. The Bob Wagner uh, passed away on Tuesday night at the age of 76. You've all heard by now. And uh, maybe you heard that uh, tribute we had to Bob Wagner earlier this hour. And I'm reminded by Stephen Sy's article, and I couldn't remember what it was, but it was controversial on Bob Wagner's exit as a University of Hawaii head coach. And I guess after they went, uh, they were 4-12. and 12. What year was that? 1995. So in 1995, um, he was assured that he would be returning in 1996. But they fired Bob Wagner with a game remaining uh, in that schedule. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, I do remember part of it. I guess they had some, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some kind of a little press conference right near the Stan Sheriff Center where Hugh Yoshida was the athletic director talking about it. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Riley Wallace got up there and kind of spoke on behalf of Bob Wagner.
0: Well, no, what he did was he, they, I believe they were, and then correct us uh, if we're wrong at 808-296-1420. They were they they were doing something, and I think the coaches were just kind of lined up there, and I think Riley Wallace kind of just blurted out something, and then somebody said somebody said something. Hey, you want to be next? Yeah, that's what the the famous thing. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, I don't know who said it or anything, but it was like you want to be next. But and then it they said it was because of declining attendance, according to the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Stephen Sye it says. The Warriors were averaging thirty-five thousand a game. Incredible! You know, it's in. in, Watch what you wish for. Uh, Let's fire Coach Mack. Watch what you wish for. You get Norm Chow, right? Right. Thirty-five thousand. Yeah, that's not good. So, anyway, um, it was. It was. I guess they let him do. But then again, later in the article, it says that he was able to coach the last game. So he walked on the, uh, what do you call that? The senior, senior walk, walk. Yeah. around the Aloha Stadium field. And the president at the time was Kenneth Mortimer. And he was embarrassed now in retrospect about how Bob Wagner was treated. And that's the thing that that's crazy. Bob Wagner, according to everybody, it was a great guy. Um, June Jones is a great coach. According to everybody... I don't know June Jones, but according to everybody, do you say June Jones is a great guy? I don't know. Dick Tomey, they say he's a great guy or a great leader. Uh, Coach Mack, was he a great guy? He was a fun guy for us. I, I don't know him that well. I don't know Bob Wagner. I don't think I've ever been introduced to him. But what everybody says before football coach or anything else is Bob Wagner was a great guy. And that's why I guess it's so embarrassing for him to be treated that way. Sure. You know, like he was a criminal or something. That's horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And that's where it's, for whatever political reason, I mean, it's is, does it come from the president? Does it come from the Board of Regents? Did it come from the athletic director? I don't know. It's it's like it came from, there was a Donna Mercado Kim back then or something. that You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It it didn't sound like this was a Hugh Yoshida decision uh, to fire the head coach. He just happened to be there.
1: I mean, it's the nature of college sports, though. We see, unfortunately, in a lot of college situations where Lane Kiffin is fired on the airport tarmac, I believe. Uh, we saw, um, i trying to remember the coach's name here. Dana Takaharo-Diaz. Yeah, fired in the tunnel after the WAC tournament you loss. You can't even Vegas. let her
0: fly back home and sit in your office. Can't even sit. They were just letting you know you're fired, sitting yeah. at the back of the plane. The, the, again, that's insulting. I don't, that's insulting, and that's embarrassing.
1: I don't like the way some of those cases were handled. And, again, it's... Maybe the nature of the sport, to some extent, it still shouldn't be acceptable the way some of these are handled. I mean, be professional about it. And it was awful what happened to Bob Wagner, the way it happened. And, again, in retrospect, be careful what you wish for, as you said, because attendance, uh, we would love to have anything close to We'd love to have half of that right now. (laughs) And we don't even come close to that. So, I mean, I I feel bad about that. I remember those days. Uh, Again, it was a long time ago, but it was unfortunate how they treated him at the end, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, Bob, or even Coach Mack. Hey, I know you're celebrating the team at the team banquet, but can we talk for a second? Yeah, you're fired. I, I don't understand why you do that. Why it's done that way? Well, why can't yeah. you? Why can't you? Hey, uh, tomorrow, can you meet me at nine o'clock in my office? Uh, how hard is that? Yeah. Hey, while I'm here, uh, I'll kill two birds with one stone. Can I get an extra plate? And uh, hey, uh, coach, you're fired.
1: It was, and I actually saw them go into that side room with Coach Mack that time. Oh. And I'm not making excuses. I'm not defending them. I think part of it is that when there's so many rumors out there, you want to take care of it as soon as possible, but do it in a, take of, t- can, in a professional way. You
0: can take care a professional way is wait till the next morning. That's the professional way. Give me a break. Uh, thank you guys for texting in on the Zephyr Insurance text line. Bob Wagner represented the peak of Hawaii football culture tailgating confetti on the field great rivalries with byu warrior mascot rolling but rolling ball boy rest in peace uh talking about oh i can't remember his name he just passed away to our uh no the guy who ran out on the field to get the tees oh gaylord gaylord yes uh yeah that was awesome you know what we should throw uh we should throw you know Newspaper streamers onto the field when we're at uh, at Chin Complex. I would bring back the old days.
1: It's kind of cool when they they go on the field from really high up. I'm not sure if we're high up enough there
0: to maybe throw them down there, but it would still be kind of cool. Oh, you can still throw them. <laughs> you can. Don't worry, people at University of Hawaii listening. People rarely listen to me. They're not going to do it. Uh, somebody had a question about Larry Beal since he was on. Wasn't it Larry Beal who made a promo? with a big Hawaiian dude chasing him around a wrestling ring. I don't remember that, but that sounds like Larry Beal. Yeah, I don't remember that either, but it could be him. I don't know if you were in Hawaii
1: uh, at that time. I was here since 80, 1979, oh, actually. Oh,
0: okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, let's see. Oh, regard. I was wondering if Mililani a Golf Course, uh, because a couple of people I saw in the paper got a, a hole-in-one, and then uh, they had this deal where you could do an insured contest where you pay $5.00. And if you get a hole in one on a certain hole, they give you like ten grand. Uh, somebody said they don't do that contest anymore. I guess too many people got holes in one. Hole in ones. Not you. Somebody wants to know, Gary. Does the Kahuku kids see action for Texas? That's from Mike. Who are they talking about?
1: Um, I mean, Tanner can help me out. The defensive back from. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he's playing or not. I haven't. Was seen that on the Texas. air or off the air?
0: Can you say it on the air, please? Yeah, Leona LeFou, the linebacker. Gotcha. Do you know uh, if he's
1: playing, tenor? He, he's not sure. I'm not, I've, I haven't seen enough of
0: Texas to know. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody did text in and say, I was embarrassed for the program, talking about the way that Bob Wagner was let go. Um, Aloha, animals. Yes, on the Bob Wagner announcement at the Stan Sheriff Center. Riley Wallace spoke out. Then at the basketball banquet, it was announced Riley was reassigned. That comes from Wesley. Thank you, Wesley. Well, how was he reassigned? I don't know, but it was – but he had to – and I think it says this in the paper. Uh, I think he – what it was was, you know, soon after that, Riley was like, okay, this is my last year. But it
1: wasn't. He coached about seven more years after that. Oh, did he? He coached until oh two or oh three, well, like 05, actually, or 06. Yeah, he coached oh, like okay. another 10 years okay. at least. okay,
0: okay. okay. Anyway, so uh, I don't know what happened to uh, – maybe that was the – well, yeah, because actually, yeah, he was gone when Herman Frazier, one of the greatest athletic directors in the history of the program. <laughs> yeah. Herman Frazier was the guy that uh, had it against – didn't like Riley Wallace. Yeah, he
1: wanted to bring in his own people. and Then he brought in Bob Nash because he couldn't get his own people.
0: Well, they brought in Bob Nash. The problem is they brought in Bob Nash too late. Yep. Um. And you know what? A lot of athletic directors come in and want to bring their own people. Yeah. Maybe Craig Angelus wants to bring his own people. You know, that's always possible. Yes. But it's 846 here. We're the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. And don't forget, it's the Craig Angelus Show coming up on Tuesday at Velocity Honolulu, right there on the corner of Kapi'olani and um, uh, Kapiolani and Ward. Now, you can park inside. They have some parking stalls. But it's a lot of people, what people do is they just uh, valet park at the um MW restaurant. You just go up the ramp there. But anyway, Kanoa Leahy with Craig Angeles, I'm sure they'll be talking about their experience as they were both together on that plane that got struck by lightning in the air. That's worth, that's worth the price of admission itself. But there's no admission fee, so hey, come on down and join us. You can get food and drink available too. A lot of people enjoy their uh, glass of wine uh, while enjoying the show. So it's Tuesday, 6 p.m., brought to you by the JN Group and HCAP. My
4: superstar.
0: So <laughs> uh, good, fun show today, and uh, so sad just thinking about, you know, listening to songs like uh, Waimanalo Blues and uh, Bob Wagner and, uh, you know, a lot of happy memories uh, from a lot of pe- folks, but uh, truly one of the good guys uh, at University of Hawaii. And we were mentioning from the Stephen size article in the paper that he was, you know, let go because, you know, uh f- Attendance declined to an average of thirty-five thousand fans, which is still makes Aloha Stadium look and sound packed. Yes, but remember that Aloha Stadium. Remember that place. Were you living here when Aloha Stadium? Oh was yeah, there?
1: I went to some of those games. Many of them when there was forty thousand plus on every Saturday night, every right. Saturday.
0: But what we know, and when you coach, uh, Coach Mack was fired because Jim Donovan was told that uh, some season ticket holders weren't going to renew. I think what you need to know by now is, um, you know, with Coach Mack, you know, being part of the, uh, you know, a, a WAC championship, uh, yeah, whack championship team, right? Uh, a share of, of the of WAC championship, or somebody like Bob Wagner bringing somebody to the first bowl game, it's not on the coach if the fans don't show up. We know this goes in cycles. We know that if you don't win. Hawaii, like a lot of places on the mainland, fans are fairweather fans. They don't show up. Somebody just uh uh texted in about fairweather fans, and so I wanted to mention that. You you could don't give up on the coach because the fans gave up on him. Fans in Hawaii give up faster than anything else. You know what I mean? June Jones left at the height of his popularity because uh for whatever reason, what all the stuff that was going on with him and the athletic director. But if, if our next coach, Timmy Chang, is successful, we go to some bowl games, and then you have an off-season or two, and then you say, oh, well, fans are leaving. So we got to fire him. Don't fire the coach. Just I, let him get better. It's not like Bob Wagner forgot how to coach, Obviously. I agree basically, but I
1: can also say that if the fans aren't showing up, it's probably because there's a bad or inferior product than they're used to, which is maybe a reflection on a coach. I think there is some connection there.
0: Not, but not two years coming off of a, uh, the most exciting, no, think, the most exciting and uh, exciting thing to happen to University of Hawaii football ever, and two and a half years later, he gone because he forgot it all.
1: Yeah. I, now, that, if there's a strict,
0: me. if it's going on ten years, you're like, okay, you know what? If it's going on five or six years, you say, "Yeah, maybe we got to make a move." When but it, at, at the same time, you know, we had a couple of six and seven seasons with Coach M- M- Mack, and yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, no,
1: I'm sorry. I, I think you get a little. You should get at least a little, if not a, more than a little, of a little pass or a leash for some off years. Look at LSU; they win the national championship in football. Was it two years later? Ed Orogeron was let go. And he didn't mind as much because he got a nice parting gift of I forget how many million dollars. But he just won a national championship, and then they're like a 500 team, and you get rid of them that quickly. That's the nature of the sport. I hate that part about it, but it does happen.
0: But that's expectations. Expectations at LSU are you win a national championship. Expectations at Alabama, if you go a couple more years without being in the college football playoff, well, Nick Saban will even be gone because expectations are – that you're winning national championship. Well,
1: they're never firing Nick Saban. If he le- when he leaves, it'll be on his own doing. I don't think anybody can fire him at Alabama.
0: I don't know if you can. F- if you say you're not going to fire him, or they tell him, "Hey, you know what? It's time for you to resign." That happens a lot when uh, in situations where there's, they can't quote unquote fire him. But nobody, or yeah. he just says, "You know what? I'm tired of this NIL thing. I want to coach, not be a roster manager."
1: Yeah, but you don't tell the guy who's won seven national
0: championships, it's time to resign. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe that's a bad example, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. At Other places yeah. where you've oh, got yeah. established coaches. Yeah. Uh, that's how it goes. All right, well, that was good. Good show today. Uh, coming up at noon, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 3 o'clock off the bench with Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. they got more volleyball tickets for you to win. We'll see you tomorrow morning following the Bobby Curran show on ESPN Honolulu. FM and 1420 AM.